lady. Oh yes. So you also get a note saying that you're uh, you're you're recording. So we're going, and we've got Forever Autumn. We've got four versions of it. <laughs> oh yes, he, yeah, that's right. He's done many, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but but if you just introduce the straightforward one, that'll be fine. Okay, here we go. Yeah. In three, two, one. You're listening to Siren Radio with me, Andrew David. Now it's that time of the week, which, in fact, it's eleven oh four on Wednesday the 6th, so it's the first Wednesday of the month, and therefore we have to press buttons and make that fantastic connection to meteorological... I can't even say it. I've, I've been practising all morning. <laughs> I've had a cup of coffee. The Met Man's here. John Ketley, Pauling, <laughs> welcome. How are you? Hello, Andrew. And uh, I think there was a little tot in that cup of As, coffee, wasn't yeah, there? I couldn't possibly, but I have been up an extremely long time because somebody else had to leave the house this morning at 8 o'clock, so uh, oh dear. it'll be bedtime soon. Well, of course, the difference is there. You see, I've done a day's work by 8 o'clock in the morning. I've done my other work. Of course so, you have, because you, you, you now appear... On on tele- you're back on television, but you don't have a clicky button, do you? I don't need a clicky button. Not sitting in my own little studio here. It's absolutely fantastic. But yes, it's an ad hoc sort of thing. I just pop in from time to time. Of course, I do LBC every weekday, and occasionally at the weekend as well. So that's my bread and butter. But um, yes, all uh, power to the elbow. I'm enjoying a bit of TV again. The trouble is, I've got to brush my hair. That's the, <laughs> that's the worst of it. Do you know that was one of the reasons I, uh, in the end, when I retired from BBC Television in the East Midlands, the one thing I did uh, I, I did not regret is having to put makeup on twice a day. Yeah. Because uh, in those days, and it might have been the same with you, here we are remembering this, but people who like this do. sort of stuff. Um, it used to be quite heavy. It was almost theatrical, and it, you know, nowadays it's much easier. But it used yes. to clag. And yes, uh, I know it used to get in your pores and uh, on your collar. Yeah, on your collar as well. And, and the worst of it was, for a start, when I first went down to London in 1985, when uh, for the first year or so, well, I was in a flat in Pimlico for a while. Uh, and then after that, I was travelling back up to Hertfordshire. Uh, but for about a year, you see, I was using the train on a regular basis and the tube. And if you rushed out to try and make sure you got your connection OK <laughs> at King's Cross, and you had all this b- brown stuff all around your face and on your collar... People would look a bit strange. I mean, perhaps they don't bother in London anymore. Maybe everybody's the same, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, well, uh, I used to feel a bit embarrassed sometimes. Yes. Well, I certainly used to find that between going out of the main programme at half past six, seven o'clock for my evening meal before the 10.30, as it used to be, yeah. the, the, the extra bulletin. As yes. we have now, And having to go into restaurants in Nottingham wearing thick makeup. Yeah. Mind you, yeah. if they were around by the theatre world, they thought I might have been an actor. Darling. Yes, a thespian. A thespian. Yes, Meanwhile, so that, would, that wouldn't bother anybody at all, would it? Not at but, all. Uh... But back in the real world, um, <laughs> if we could show our pictures to the good lister, we are wrapped up with lots of layers. So later on, we're going to talk about the um, the change, the almost immediate change into autumn. But let's look back then at September, which seemed a little bit more exciting than flat and boring August. Yes, well, we had, um, as we've mentioned before on these programmes, we've said that uh, the summer was pretty ordinary as far as England was concerned. It was much better across Scotland and Northern Ireland. And uh, for a while that was continuing as well. But in the end, there was a a breakdown in the weather towards the end of September, which affected the whole country. But really, September started with a bit of a bang. It was certainly a warmer start to the month than we saw in August. And our last programme was on the 8th of September, and uh, it was pretty hot and sunny at that time. Temperatures on the 8th of September, we're still up around 30 degrees. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. And in Lincolnshire itself, we've got 29.1 degrees, 29.8 degrees, those sort of figures at Cranwell, and 29.1 at Scampton. So it really was some of the hottest weather of the entire year. Our, our maximum temperature 
uh, last, uh, well, during this year, was only about 29, 30 degrees, which is really quite modest for these terms. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, how the, the world is getting warmer, but uh, a maximum temperature throughout the year of 29 to 30 degrees is really quite modest. And you'd expect to get some higher temperatures that uh, during the heat waves of summer, but they never really came, did they? They were mm. very, very short lived. And then you'd have a thunderstorm or a real downpour to, to knock them on the head. But yeah, we started off with a bit of a bang and temperatures uh, did soar up to about 29, 30 degrees. Now, looking at the entire month of September and looking at Lincolnshire to begin with, just concentrating on our own uh, patch, although it was very dry for much of the time, it did end very wet and much, much cooler. So we did finish up with 51 millimetres or so at uh, Cranwell, 58 millimetres at Coningsby, uh, which is not far off uh, what you'd expect to get. It's just that when a month pans out the way it did, where it was seen to be dry for an awful long time and then just wet uh, towards the end, it just seemed a little bit unusual to uh, to see those sort of figures mount up at the end. But it was just fractionally less than average. Sunshine, though, was also about 90 percent. So 122 hours at Waddington, I worked out. There was slightly more down at Stamford, down uh, Wittering, down on the A1. I think they had 143 hours of sunshine there. So we were about 20 hours short up around the Lincoln area, just 90 percent of average. Now, temperatures, obviously, it was a warm month. We we know that all along. And, uh, you know, for a long time, we were talking about it being perhaps the warmest September on record. And that's the central England temperature regime, which goes back to 1659, which I'm sure everybody remembers fondly now. I, I wasn't there at the beginning, but <laughs> Michael Fish did tell me it was a, a, quite quite a good start to the <laughs> climate yes. features. Uh, but... his, his solicitors will no doubt be in touch <laughs> if we carry on like this. But yes, he's got a, he's got a very good solicitor. Uh, but uh, I'll just take him to the bar. Uh, but um, no, it, it was um, it was a, a very warm September on the whole. It finished up just about two degrees above average temperature. Uh, the central England looked like it was going to be the hottest ever, but uh, in the end, it did sort of tail off towards the end with that wet and windy weather. And we finished up in about fifth or sixth position. Right. Uh, so the, the warmest September remains 2006 uh, on the central England. Um, elsewhere, it was slightly different. I'll come on to that shortly. But uh, yes, it, it, was, it was still a very, very good September. And how often have I said that September now? you'd hope, is, uh, is an extension of summer rather than the first month of autumn, which it statistically is as far as uh, Met details are concerned. Uh, so I like to think that September can still bring you some fantastic weather. Of course, it wasn't all the time good throughout the country. It did ebb and flow, but generally speaking, the first three weeks were better than the final week. And looking around the country, there was still some pretty sizable rainfall up in parts of Scotland, Kirkwall and Stornoway, right up in the northwest where you'd expect to get some wet weather, uh, but they were slightly above. They were 15 to 30 percent above average rainfall, 126 millimetres altogether, despite the fact that it was still a degree or two warmer than average as well. Uh, sunshine was um, ordinary, just 95 hours of sunshine there. There was a bit more sunshine on the northeast of Scotland where you get the shelter from the Grampians. So 120 hours at Kinloss, for example, which was some 15 percent above what you'd expect to get. Uh, a bit more rain, too, in Glasgow. It was a strangely i mean glasgow's had a very odd year I'll, again i'll come back to that in more detail but they finished up with 125 millimeters of rain in uh, september which is five inches which is an awful lot and that followed what turned out to be i think their um their warmest um august on records or summer on records something like that uh but uh, elsewhere there was 145 millimeters of rain at senny bridge you know these are the uh, prone areas of wales uh, which you're familiar with, I Indeed, know. Indeed, yes. Uh, but in complete contrast to that, and you go down to the usual suspects down in Essex and Kent, 
Shubriness, uh, hardly surprising, finished it with just 18 millimetres of rain, less than an inch of rain throughout the month. And they also had some of the sunniest weather of all, 173 hours of sunshine, which was pretty impressive. I'd, I'd buy 170-odd hours of sunshine yep. at this time of the year. And that was exactly the same as uh, your old friend Manston nice. in Kent. Um, so that was good. That was 17% above average sunshine amount. And they finished it with just 16 millimetres of rain as well. Isn't it funny how Shubriness and Manston seem to mirror each other? They always seem to get the same sort of weather, taking over a period of time. Obviously, they get fluctuations through a week or through a month. Uh, but um, taking an average over a period, they seem to be very similar from, uh, from month to month, year to year. Yes, and, and, and in fact, if, if you look at it, Shubriness being in Essex, if you, if you put a mirror down the Thames... Mm. It, they would almost be mirror images of each other because yes, Manston's out yeah. towards the east end of Kent. Uh, I remember it well from yeah. landing there because it's actually quite exposed and you can get some really interesting crosswinds. Oh, nice. um, yeah, not really, no, not <laughs> not for a cadet who's trying to land a, a chipmunk. <laughs> Never mind. Chipmunk, anyway, yes. Uh, yes, do you remember? No, don't. We're not going to go. To no, that. I didn't go there. No. no. Meanwhile, back in yes, yeah, so so yes, as I say, it, it, it's not surprising. Uh, although I think at the moment they're being battered by lots of grief-stricken wetness at the moment. Anyway, that's that's. Yeah, we've had some awful weather this week. That's certainly oh. true. Uh, but just going through with a few more bullet points through September and just concentrating on maybe different parts of the country as well. As I say, when we did the last program, it was about the eighth of September. We were still very, very hot, but we were starting to see a bit of a temporary thundery breakdown. It's certainly going to see a, temp- a drop in temperature gradually over the next week but we did start to see some storms developing across wales and the west country and they headed further north through the evening on the 8th so uh, 30 degrees was the top temperature but then plymouth finished up with 33 millimeters of rain and there was some flash flooding storms bringing some flash flooding particularly to the south hams area which is around uh, plymouth isn't it down across uh, salcombe as well i think salcombe was pretty badly hit with some flooding and wales also confirmed that they got some heavy downpours of rain Uh, But at the same time, because it was very warm, very humid, tropical air coming north all of a sudden, uh, we also had some very warm nights. And down at Aberporth in Credigion. I love the way you did that, Credigion. It's it's, it's a bit like Gwyneth. Just don't stand too close. Uh, But um, (laughs) Credigion, they set a minimum 24-hour temperature of 20.5 degrees, which is quite extraordinary for the beginning of September. But the temperature didn't go down below 20.5 degrees overnight, and that smashed, absolutely smashed, the previous record of 72 years ago in 1949 at Rill, where it never oh. fell below 18.9 degrees. So that was an interesting one, that. That was very warm for, for a short period there down in South Wales uh, ahead of those thunderstorms. Obviously, you can, you can imagine it. Uh, after a hot day, it must have felt very humid, very sticky towards the end of the afternoon, and you felt, well... It uh, feels like we're going to have a storm. But if you get the cloud thickening up and the storm's coming in, unless the heavy rain knocks the temperature down, then it was going to be a pretty warm and sultry, oppressive mm. sort of night. And that's exactly what happened. Now, a few days later, we moved on to the weekend and it was um, St. Ledger weekend over at Doncaster. <laughs> and uh, temperatures had dropped a little bit. It was only 22 degrees over at Doncaster by that time. There was some very wet weather in northern Scotland, but we were still enjoying some decent temperatures around here. Coningsby still got to 24 degrees. Uh, but there was some heavier rain further north, and the humid and sunnier skies were becoming more confined to more southern and eastern parts of England as well. Then um, the 14th, the Tuesday, 14th of September, turned out to be the wettest day we'd had for quite a while. 
across England especially temperatures were starting to plummet then 15 to 19 degrees we just got 16 degrees in Lincoln on the 14th oh. of September and an inch of rain fell uh, quite widely across Lincolnshire at that time so that was the wettest day we'd seen for quite some time over in eastern England a pretty miserable day it was and <laughs> until yesterday and the day before <laughs> when it all returned again for October uh, but but that was a bit of a shock to the system because we'd started the month of September really quite well moving on a little bit more got around to the following weekend the 19th there were further showery bands between a bit of sunshine temperatures were just starting to recover slightly but there were some really heavy downpours of rain about Lake and Heath uh, they really copped it. RAF Lakenheath, which uh, people might know, is very close to um, Centre Parks yes. over in East Anglia, near Thetford Forest, uh, where we went for a couple of occasions and um, loved it immensely. But um, Lakenheath finished up with over two inches of rain in 24 hours, and that was, uh, that was due to some heavy storms, which brought some local flooding in that particular part of the world. Um, then it settled down again after that. We did get some um, better weather returning during September. And then it all went a bit of a bang come the 27th. So you're looking at the 27th to the 30th when th things really did tail off again. There was some heavy morning rain and a squall line. One of those squall lines crossed eastern England on the 27th. And that was one of my callings to TV. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Paul Hudson had been uh, quizzed about it over in, um, in northeast Lincolnshire and east Yorkshire. There was um, some caravans turned over. Did you see the footage on Look North? Indeed, that? yes. Uh, that was a squall line. Um, everybody was wanting to call it a, a tornado because it's, it's more impactful, I suppose. Uh, but in, in, in my world, it was definitely a squall line. Uh, but Toro, the, uh, the tornado people and uh, storm research organisation down in the south of England, have been going for about 50 years. And they definitely put a warning out that morning just ahead of the squall line developing into mini tornadoes. So they were expecting to get some pretty nasty weather from that squall line as it crossed eastern England first thing on the 27th. So we saw the footage over there in northeast Lincolnshire. Uh, can't argue with the footage. It was certainly a, a pretty intense gust mm. of wind. It must have been 70 miles an hour to turn that thing over. Um, the the um, caravans, caravans and such like things as that. Uh, so it was very, very nasty. But these things, you know, mini tornadoes, tornadoes, whatever you call them, uh, they're very short-lived in this country. It's not like a Tornado Alley in the Midwest in the United States. They tend to happen for about, what, 30 seconds at the most, I suppose, and they, they're only about 200 metres wide at mm. that, uh, and they don't last very long at all. And, you know, for most purposes, any mini tornadoes that occur in this country, that's when the funnel cloud comes out of the cloud and just about reaches the ground. Uh, they would go across farmers' fields and not many people would actually see them or experience them. The interesting thing is there's, there's a sort of updraft effect, isn't there, as they go through, which is what can, yeah. in the end... Uh, destabilize something like a caravan because it, it's got a little bit of um, air underneath it and that can help flip it over can't it oh yes it can i mean a tornado is basically air being sucked into the base of these cumulonimbus clouds so you've got all sorts of um, all sorts of eddies going on and uh, different suctions and winds coming from all different directions so it's hardly surprising it gets very gusty i mean a, a gust front by definition is a very sudden change in wind speed or direction uh, and that's what was happening that morning. The the highest winds that were recorded by anybody, but obviously these were an underestimate, uh, I would say. But at Bridlington, it did get to 58 miles an hour as that storm went through. They had them uh, gusts up to 58 miles an hour at Plymouth as well, and about 52 miles an hour down at Langdon Bay, down in, uh, in Kent as well. Donanook, 50 miles an hour gusts from the same squall line. So it was, um, I think squall lines are always 
damaging. They are something to watch out for. I don't particularly like to see a squall line coming across my garden because some years ago, uh, we did have a gust of 62 miles an hour and it took a tree down Ooh. and it did cause a bit of devastation. <laughs> Fortunately, it didn't land on the house. It landed across uh, across the boundary with next door. But it did uh, cause some damage in my garden as that particular gust front came through with a gust of 62 some time ago. I think that was the end of March or the end of April, mm. uh, about uh, 10 years ago, probably. Did, did the change, this change on the 27th or 30th, it almost was synchronous with the... The the equinox, wasn't it? I mean, it was within a couple well, of days yes. of it. And I'm, yeah. I'm not suggesting that there is a, a change, but the, the the Earth does tip, and therefore I assume the, the cooling heating process of the sun changes. Yeah, I think it's just coincidence it's happened around about that time. I mean, you talk about equinoctial gales, don't you? It's a, it's a standard thing. The weather is on the change once you get through to the equinoctial periods uh, because, you know, the sun's going south again and... Uh, colder ice coming down from the north to get these tornadoes or to get um, more violent squall lines you're starting to feed in cooler air aloft uh, not necessarily at the ground yet but um, up above cloud level you're starting to get cooler there much much cooler and that's contrasting with perhaps some warm tropical air that's still left across the surface before it gets uh, cleared away as the um, as the squall line comes across so they can be very intense it can be very nasty indeed uh, as those uh, squall lines come through but um, yeah very uh, very interesting it's always uh, extreme as I went on television and said it's the extremes of weather which really uh, make life that bit more interesting but it can be at the same time quite nasty for the insurance uh, yeah. <laughs> of, of your of your uh, property and therefore the premiums the following year but we're not going to go well indeed that. yes I think that was mentioned as well yes <laughs> <laughs> I think so where do we go to next John <laughs> Uh, well, we can look at things going on in different parts of the world, but I would like to just um, spend a bit more time on um, on what happened as far as September was concerned, countrywide. Now, I'm, I'm just, uh, if you just want to pause, just uh, let me uh, let me find my right bits here, get more information about what happened during September. Okay. Right, cue. Hang on a second, I'll do some claps because I can then see it on the yeah. edit. Stand yeah. by. yeah. Okay, pick up. So looking at September countrywide and not just concentrating on Lincolnshire, September, it did turn out to be the second warmest on record for the whole of the UK. And Northern Ireland had its uh, joint warmest September on record. So quite extraordinary, really. But not that surprising, bearing in mind that, of course, it, it had been a warm Europe in the north. And, uh, and we were talking all the time about uh, perhaps it was going to be the warmest September in England as well, though it uh, did fade away at the end. Uh, so some, some record temperatures there virtually across uh, northern Britain as well. Mean temperatures were still very high. Um, some record-breaking warm nights, which I'd mentioned already. The mean temperature, Scotland had its second warmest September on record. Wales had its third warmest in England. These are mean temperatures. That's the maximum men put together. And England, its joint third warmest, apparently. Though I think it went down to the fifth warmest. Uh, but the UK as a whole... Um, was second warmest in figures dating back to 1884. They don't go back as far as the central England. So they go back to 1884, which is quite impressive, even so. Now, what's uh, also very exciting, I mentioned Glasgow a short time ago, about how they had some extreme uh, heavy rainfall during September as everything began to break up again. Uh, but at the same time, they had uh, an unusual summer because it was their hottest summer on record. Um, Gosh. Uh, which was amazing, really. Glasgow had its hottest sun, summer on record. Um, the city, and, and you know, we'd 
we're hosting the COP26 very Indeed. short. I think it's beginning in November, isn't it? Uh, so how appropriate is it that uh, Glasgow's had such an unusual year, warmer than normal, and we've got uh, COP26 coming in and we want everybody to behave themselves and, and do all the things that are seen to be right across the world in the coming decades, which is uh, no bad thing at all. Um, some pretty dull weather in Northern Ireland, despite the fact that it was warm, it was also particularly dull with uh, the third dullest September in Northern Ireland on record. The dullest ever was 1962. Uh, with just 74 hours, 74 hours of sunshine through the entire month. And if you remember a short time ago, we mentioned the fact there was 170 hours down at Manston and mm. <laughs> Shubriness. So they were 100 hours short there, even though it was so warm. Uh, so the whole month was, again, was spearheaded by that warm weather right at the beginning of the month, in particular when temperatures got to 30 degrees. And in some parts of the country, that was their highest temperature of the entire year or summer. Uh, so quite extraordinary, that. Even Esdale Muir in the southern uplands of Scotland reached 25, or 27, I should say, Balmoral, uh, 25.8 degrees in those early days on the 8th of September. And Wales topped 30 degrees as well for the first time in September since 1961. Goodness. How about that? That's, that's unusual, isn't it? 30 degrees, the first time in September since 1961 in Wales. Quite, a, quite amazing, that, I think. Uh, so, yeah, a lot, of, uh, a lot of things to talk about. I mean, it's all extra, all extra ammunition, really, for another programme at the end of the year where we talk about it uh, being uh, UK's most extreme weather <laughs> and all that sort of thing. There are good things in there. There are some bad things as well. Uh, but let's hope um, things don't get too bad in the immediate future. Indeed. Should we have a tune, Joe? I think we should have a tune because I've been delving back through my records and, and looking back to see if I can find another track which has got some sort of weather connection. Well, I struggled a little bit, but seeing as we're having such a good start to autumn, I thought we'd concentrate on a forever autumn and link in with Justin Hayward. Love this time of year 
shoulders with beggars and outcasts. Dogs snarled and whined, the horses' bits were covered with foam, and here and there were wounded soldiers, as helpless as the rest. We saw tripods wading up the Thames, cutting through bridges as though they were paper. Waterloo Bridge, Westminster Bridge. One appeared above Big Ben.
vast crowd buffeted me towards the already packed steamer. I looked up enviously at those safely on board, straight into the eyes of my beloved Carrie. At sight of me, she began to fight her way along the packed deck to the gangplank. At that very moment, it was raised, and I caught a last glimpse of her despairing face as the crowd swept me away from her. Like the sun through the trees, she came to love me. Like a leaf on a breeze, you blew away. Through autumn's golden gown, we used to kick our way. You always loved. Those fallen leaves lie undisturbed now. Cause you're not here. Cause you're not here. Cause you're not Going right back to 1978, the first time Justin Haywood of Moody Blues fame made that track. Not sure which one that was, though. That wasn't the original, was it? Uh, uh, I've got so many in the system, I'm not quite sure. It was a lovely yeah. version. I think it's a, a slightly later recording because his voice sounds slightly deeper and thicker. Of course, he does come from the soundtrack to War of the Worlds. Right. By Jeff right. Wayne. I just thought I'd add that in. Yes, and, I, I, I did know that. Has, <laughs> has Richard Burton doing the narration, never before. In the, oh, yes, that Richard sort of Burton. Stuff. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. a man who honed his voice through alcohol and cigarettes. <laughs> you and I, of course, have had Wouldn't need that sort of thing, would no, we? we no, um, my voice is still very light, actually. <laughs> Um, it does sound deeper at certain times of the day. Oh, very good. Uh, but anyway, we'll come back down to uh, look at the world's weather in September, should we? Yeah, uh, I think a fine idea. I think at, uh, during the last programme, we were talking about, well, it's been going on all year, hasn't it? We've had some very serious flooding and serious storms across central parts of Europe. And that seemed to continue again through, uh, through September as well. Right back to the 8th, uh, we were seeing some uh, really heavy rainfall, according to Meteo France. Meteo France, mm -hmm. uh, they recorded 129 millimetres of rain at Argen. Is it Argen? Yes, it is. Um, yeah. Um, 129 millimetres of rain fell on the 8th of September between 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock in the evening. Not bad, eh? Three hours yeah. of rain. Uh, three hours of rain and they got over five inches. So that's that's pretty extreme. If we got that sort of thing, you know, I think we'd all be evacuated. <laughs> but Which but maybe they were there as well. Hmm. <laughs> so that was that was an, an immense amount of rainfall there. Uh, there was also some uh, people were killed on an island of um, called Pantelleria, Iria, Italian island. Um, nine others were injured. Two people were killed because of a tornado that swept through there. So we shouldn't... Uh, you shouldn't think that our little mini tornadoes are all that bad, really. On the 14th of September, more severe storms hit France in the uh, the Guard Department of Southern France in the morning of the 14th. In just three hours there, 
there was the equivalent of i don't like these phrases but they say it's the equivalent of more than two months of rain fell during the morning it never really means much to me um because who knows what the amount of uh, rain is normally exactly <laughs> and, and which months of the year of course well well yeah and uh, yeah. so that's a bit daft really but anyway uh, the whole point is that there was some intense rainfall in southern france again causing some uh, severe flooding the intensity of the rain was historic apparently it's, it's got to be historic to be noteworthy it was in nîmes where the highest rainfall was found and uh, they came up with figures of 244 millimetres of rain in just three hours there. So that r- really is huge amounts of That's rain. That's an enormous amount of rain. It is. It's, it, it was, uh, and I quote, an episode which statistically occurs less than once in a century. Well, I'm not surprised about that. Um, this is an absolute record for the Guard Department and very close to the three-hour rainfall record for the entire country of France. Um, 253 millimetres is the record, apparently, in three hours, uh, set in Montpellier in 2014. Well, you know, there's no doubt about it. We're going to be exceeding those sort of figures in the years to come. If we keep on getting warmer as we are, which uh, is highly likely, naturally, uh, then we're going to keep exceeding these sort of rainfall figures. There's no doubt about that. But um, very nasty if you're caught in them. Uh, You can't argue with the facts, Andrew. What happens on the ground once the rains arrive could be... A problem which uh, we are causing yes uh, but um as the rain's coming down well um, you know you can't argue with the fact that that is extremely intense heavy rainfall and it's probably going to get worse as well just going across the atlantic ocean on the 14th as well we had another tropical st- they've had a lot of hurricanes and storms over there in in the u.s this year particularly affecting louisiana rather than florida you know florida is the most um extreme uh, state for tornadoes and for well not so much tornadoes but for hurricanes uh, but this year it's been Louisiana, really, rather more. And um, Tropical Storm Nicholas on the 14th um, aimed for Houston. Uh, so Houston's had a pretty bad time of it. And that knocked out power to half a million homes and businesses, dumping more than a foot of rain. Uh, dumped a foot of rain along an area swamped by Hurricane Harvey in 2017. So, you know, history repeating itself and continue, will continue to do so, no doubt about it, in the next few years as well. So very nasty there, strong winds as well. As, uh, as that tropical storm, Nicholas, came along. Uh, the 23rd, we went down to Spain then for some more heavy rainfall. Torrential downpours hit parts of southern Spain, flash flooding, and uh, that left some uh, homes inundated and swept away as well. Vehicles swept away uh, as uh, more than 100 millimetres of rain fell in a 12-hour period. Uh, that was on the 23rd in Spain. And very nasty situation. I know that we don't normally go into Russia, but uh, five climbers died after a blizzard. Uh, it seems strange to be talking about blizzards, doesn't it, so early in the year? But a blizzard on Mount Elbrus, Europe's highest peak in Russia, apparently, uh, over 5,000 metres high. And uh, five climbers lost their life in, in a blizzard there. And uh, finally, we had a water spout in the German port city of Kiel, there's a, have you ever seen there's a live uh, webcam at Kiel? You can see the, these big vessels, huge vessels going through. And uh, under the bridge and just yes. clearing the bridge, there are yes. some that they have to turn, uh, they have to pull their aerial masts down. Oh, they do, to, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a bit like pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was, I was thinking that myself. <laughs> yes. A little bit of deeper water, but never mind. <laughs> and and a, a few, 29th... few less battleships, I noticed as well. well yes, yes. 29th of September, a water spout struck the German port city of Kiel. It, it threw a lot of people from boats uh, into the water, presumably, and damaged some property. So several power cuts in the area. 
and uh, winds up to about 60 or 70 uh, miles an hour lashed that northern coast just for a, a few minutes, I'm sure, as that water spout came through. So th there's no difference between a water spout, that's over water, and, and tornadoes, which are over land. It's I was the same about, mechanism. You, you preempted the question. I'm glad I, I did. To say, yes, and it basically, it's, it's quite, it, they're very spectacular when you see them because they suck up so much water. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, they, they're almost... Well, fortunately, because they're out at sea normally or on, you know, on water because they're a water spout, they, they cause less damage unless they touch yes. land. That's right. That's right. They do. Um, you don't you don't see very many of them. But again, it's, it's all part and parcel of more intense uh, weather mm. extremes, isn't it? More intense weather systems developing with the, the warming world. So we are going to see more of them. I'm sure of that in the future. Fascinating. I, I think. The theme has been water, water everywhere, and not a drop. <laughs> well, plenty of a drop to drink. And, and going back and, and talking seriously about you know the forthcoming COP uh, twenty six and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. It's it's not the rain itself. Nature throws rain all over the place. It's, you can't blame nature or the weather systems for it. It's what we've done to the ground mm. that it hits. Well, now, exactly. If we've had a very dry period, there's nothing we can do about the fact that the land just doesn't absorb it quickly enough. Yeah. But it's this incessant drive to concrete things over yeah. or to build in floodplains, places mm. where, you know, if, if you if you're a traveler going across the Wild West, you don't build it where it's marshy. No. But of course, now, because we have the ability to do this sort of thing, we can concrete over things, we can redirect rivers, which is a mm. bad thing to do. Um, mm. We think we can control the environment. And with the the increase in the severity of these episodes, these three hour uh, intense downpours, mm. um, we are compounding the issue. And this is not a compounded issue because we're driving uh, uh, coal fired, you know, we're, we're lighting coal fired. We're actually just building in the wrong place. Yes. Yes. And, and there's going to be more of this going on, isn't there? Whatever they say at COP, whatever people say uh, during that conference, the governments around the world are going to continue to build where where they want to build, quite frankly. Yeah. And I don't think anybody objecting is going to get very far with it, really, because people still need to live somewhere, let's face it. You know, it's a, it's a hugely different issue when you're looking at these poor areas around the world. You might be looking at Bangladesh, around the Ganges Delta, the Indo, you know, all these different places around the world, and there are lots of them, where there's no choice. People... No have always lived there that is their livelihood they have to live there they need the rain as well you know it isn't it's a double-edged sword if you like they need the hot they live in hot climates but they need the rain for their crops uh, and they're so low-lying any sort of uh, tropical cyclone is going to devastate them every time they come along and it's always been that way so whatever people try and say and you know do gooders and all the rest of it there are certain things that are completely out of our control well, that brings us round to the extraordinary weather we've had. Well, no, it isn't extraordinary. It's just interesting, and it allows us to do a programme about the weather. But this mm. week seems to have been quite interesting. We've had um, we had well, thunder, does. I noticed. Was it yesterday or the day before? Intense rain and then bright sunshine. Yeah. And then somebody muttered to me there might be a little mini Indian summer or a pulse of some warm weather. So tell us Why what not? it's going to be like. Please, John, is it, should we get the shorts out again? Well, I'm looking at 21, um, oh, which is very nice, is you know, 21. I mean, bearing in mind that yesterday I think it was 13 <laughs> and there was all that rain around, some heavy downpours of rain came and went and um, it was 13 degrees. It, I think there was nowhere higher than 16 
just about 16 or 17 down on the south coast yesterday, which is pretty disappointing, even for the uh, 5th day of October. But once we get through to October, we can start legitimately talking about Indian summers. You know, they're not going to last long. Uh, but um, I did hear a weather forecast. And that was yesterday when they were talking about temperatures reaching 21. And the presenter said, that's very warm uh, for October. Well, actually, it's, it's warm. It, it's just a warm, short, warm spell. Uh, back in 2011, we got up to uh, 28, 29 degrees not 21, at the beginning of October, and the 1st of October in 1985, way back when, even before global warming was talked about, uh, we got a temperature of 28 degrees, which is the, uh, the highest temperature of the entire year, anywhere mm. in the country, um, on the 1st of October. Uh, so it's not very warm to be talking about temperatures of 21 degrees in the coming days, but they are on the way. It'll start to move in tomorrow. It'll, it, it may seem a little bit... Um, premature tomorrow because we'll probably start off with cloudy skies and uh, although it'll be dry it should be dry probably a lot of cloud feeding on this tropical air but that's just the forerunner to the uh, cloud breaking through the day and then staying with us for a few more days up until uh, Saturday at least maybe Sunday too just about uh, where we could be looking at 19 to 21 degrees for those several days and it will be largely dry as well so um, yeah it is a it is definitely a legitimately called a, a Indian summer and um, you know, power to the elbow. I, I like that sort of thing. But um, you know, once you get through to October, it's always the month. It's always been described as the month that um, the full ripeness. And I, I quote again here: the full ripeness of late summer finally turns to decay. The fruit fall. The trees change colour. And British Rail dusts off its book of excuses for leaves on the line. Oh, there is that bit as well. <laughs> I thought he was going, I thought, hello, he's, he's turning all the all romantic Keats. poet on us. Or yeah, Keats, Keats, yes. A bit or, of Keats. Yes, or but, uh, others of Wordsworth and all yeah, that sort of thing. But no, October's always been a strange month. Uh, you, you go back through the decades and you've, had, you've actually had some warm spells of October weather, it's particularly in the 60s, which is very unusual. The 60s generally in this country were particularly cool and wet. Uh, but October, strangely enough, was one of the warmer months. Uh, not, not warmer um, compared with June and July, but I'm talking about it being much warmer than average uh, during October uh, compared with normal Octobers, um, when they were resembling late summer months almost. So it, it was quite remarkable in the 60s. But October is very strange, very strange indeed. Uh, the, the lowest temperatures uh, were in the 1910s during the First World War. That was particularly chilly during October months. But... Um, you know, the sort of thing we've had more recently, uh, probably two degrees higher temperatures than we saw back in the 1910s. So in the last century, we have seen those temperatures rise again. Although, oddly enough, last year was back at uh, an average temperature. Mean temperature was 10.2. Um, now, I also heard a, a press release just a week or so ago, and that's another reason why I was called onto television. Uh, but I didn't really realise it at the time. But, but some press release had come from somewhere that uh, we were expecting snow this month. Yes. Uh, what was that uh, about? Well, uh, well, I wondered. And I tried to gloss over it on television. You know, no chance of a rehearsal. I glossed over the fact that um, uh, I couldn't see any sign of that at all, apart from in the Grampians. And I, I went on to talk about uh, the heaviest snowfall we've had in, uh, in October in more recent years. That's just the last 15 years. It was about the 28th of October, 2008. Uh, when there was a quite a heavy snowfall down in central London. And that was the heaviest snowfall for them for 100 years in October and more. Uh, so that was unusual. So I sort of, um, I, uh, you know, <laughs> I glanced it sideways 
Very uh, good. Any, any talk about wintry weather being here this month? I, I just couldn't see it at all. But um, um, if, you, if you look at October's through the decades, then we have had some uh, pretty interesting times. We've had some heavy snowfalls, but they were often in the in the early part of last century. We haven't had that many, really, uh, when you look at it all told in, in more recent decades. Uh, the, the one in 2008 was interesting. Uh, but also in 2018, uh, we did have a sudden Arctic blast and there was some snow falling in 2018. That's just three years ago during October. So although it's not that unusual, they're, they're pretty rare these days, you have to say. Not like they used to be back in 100 years ago. John Ketley, as ever, a real privilege and pleasure to have you on Siren Radio. Thank you very much indeed for being with us for this month. Thank you, Looking everybody. at my calendar, I reckon you and I will be together something like the 3rd of November. So look forward to welcoming you back on the airwaves then. I'm looking forward to it already, Andrew. And...